0: I had a fry every day this summer, talking on building sites, you know. Now again, we didn't win, so maybe it wasn't the right thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> I should have been there for the food and the pasta. <laughs>
1: OTB AM, live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. Alright it is, Thursday is off the ball, Nathan with you until 10 o'clock, we've got a busy show ahead, we'll have Connor Myler coming up looking ahead to the statistical preview of the All-Ireland Football Final and we got a healthy dose of nostalgia as well, the year 2000, the last time Kerry and Galway met in the All-Ireland Final it went to a replay Before Kerry took the honours And we're going to be joined by the Galway manager that day John O'Mahony And also Johnny Crowley Who had a fine final Kicked three points from play The first of them after just 16 seconds Uh, So they're going to join us at half past seven To look back on that final Which gave us maybe the greatest goal scored, certainly this century in an All-Ireland football final, um, about to some superior knowledge if there's been a, a greater one 53106 is the text number add off the ball on social media, and John Giles back in studio uh, this evening after 9 o'clock uh, last week we started the series, it's going to run for the next couple of weeks, on John's memories of the greatest managers of his playing era, so we started with uh, Don Revy last week and uh, was very well received by everybody and tonight John's going to be in the studio, he's going to be talking about Matt Busby, who of course he played with uh, under ma- at Manchester, you played under at Manchester United. So that coming your way after nine o'clock. Richie McCormack is with us. Good evening, Richie. Nathan. Good evening. Uh, Joe Malloy. Good evening. I was thinking Giles played with
2: Busby as well. I mean, is there no end to this
1: man? No, he didn't uh, because Busby um, was quite a bit older than Don Revy. So whereas Giles, I think, might have played just about against Revy as he was coming to the end of his career before he took charge at Leeds. Uh, Busby had been manager at Manchester United for, what, 12, 13 years by the time Uh, Giles arrived. Like Just the most remarkable story of a man who brought the club up. From its knees on two, three occasions, uh, comes in just a couple of months after the war finishes. Uh, Manchester's, you know, been bombed heavily. The city's on its knees, and he comes in, and over the course of the next decade, builds this brilliant side that's winning leagues, winning FA Cups. Obviously, then uh, the Munich disaster, where you know he's incredibly fortunate to survive himself, and builds another great team that ends up with that European Cup in 1968, and yeah, as, as you can imagine with John, he has just so many brilliant recollections of what he was like uh, around the ground, uh, around the training ground when he was there, one of these managers of that era who wasn't really around the training ground too often, uh, left it to Jimmy Murphy to do all all the hard work, uh, but has a lot of good things to say about Matt Busby, so uh, definitely well worth listening in after nine o'clock. Yeah, no, he's, he's 30 years older than him, I figured they hadn't... Uh play together that'd be quite something though that'd be um geez john giles has played with everyone if he didn't play with <laughs> me
2: not busby bloody hell
1: well we did do the john giles uh best 11 he had played against and it um encompassed yeah. a lot of players that you would have thought really i wouldn't have put them in the same generation but yeah uh, along the way he's played played with the best of them i think yeah no i look forward to that uh busby
2: very interesting figure i mean would have a reputation as well like might have been overly generous to the players and fought as hardest for them when it came to their salaries
1: no there was obviously the time at a maximum wage and I think John's line is always that uh, Busby would have said ah oh, this goes all you guys deserve to get £100 a week and then it went and the offer was £25 a week <laughs> uh, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then right. maybe there was a bit of collusion going on between Busby and Shankly so that all the Manchester United and Liverpool players ended up being paid the exact same Right. Uh, but listen, it wasn't just the players who were finding it tough then, like John was making the point, with all of these managers of that era. You know, we talk about Busby and not leaving and the pressure on Wilf McGuinness and Frank O'Farrell of this shadow over their shoulders every day around the club. That it wasn't so much maybe, maybe that Busby didn't want to leave, it was that he just simply couldn't leave. He was 60 years of age, he lived for another 24, 25 years and he wouldn't have had any money. He wouldn't have been a wealthy man in any way despite all the success. So... Sort of hatang around to have something to do And an awful lot of these managers were given jobs in the background Like sometimes in the post room Sometimes in the club shop Just something to give them a job to keep them going uh, Which was football at the time Yeah, and he had an office famously at Old Trafford until the very
2: end Even the class of 92 would talk about Busby's office down the hall there And you could smell the cigarette smoke I suppose the modern day equivalent is a Ferguson Who's still very much on the payroll
1: Probably more lucrative than Matt Busby's time Uh, Somewhat I suspect The old director role at Old Trafford uh, Probably more lucrative than it's ever been right now I'd say under the Glazers
2: I would think so Just uh, go to the box and have some chats with Habib And you know Always pick your best players uh, on camera And that that kind of stuff So uh, yeah it's a gravy train now that's for sure
1: uh, so we're also going to be looking ahead to the football final, Kerry against Galway. We got John O'Mahony. Always oh, great to talk to John O'Mahony, mm-hmm. um, and we got Johnny Crowley as well. I, like I'm definitely, this is a typical thing I would do of putting you on the spot of the greatest goal scored in an All Ireland final this century. Declan has got to be up there. Yeah, that is
2: typical of you. I agree. Uh, what are the These, so get
1: your texts in, and then Joe will make his ultimate decision at the end of the news round. Well, you know, tra- I'd obviously go to- for like Andy Moran, but I, I, I don't think it. You know. That's more of a uh, importance to me moment.
2: I'm trying to think. Michael Murphy's goal for Donegal was was. Uh, like it's still not a patch on me, but it was very dramatic
1: and, you know. Uh, Peter Canavan. Start to 2012.
2: Uh, Peter Canavan, describe for me.
1: Uh, O'Mulligan plucks it out of the sky, lays it off. Canavan's coming in 100 miles an hour. Manages yeah. to curve his way around to the fence, smashes it into the net.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, you wouldn't knock it. Uh, Lee Keegan got obviously a great goal in the Ireland final Kind of bustling through And all his um, brilliant running ability against Dublin But again, like that, th- this is the Galway goal we go where I'd say about what 10 players get a touch oh. And it's high paced I think it's also the players that are and, getting
1: the touches yeah, Like, Donlin is involved that. Joyce plays it in like, Sean og is there like, it's 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 from one end of the pitch with all that great Galway team involved, and then the quality of the run from Declan Meehan, who appears out of nowhere, the ball into him from Clancy is just out of this world. I think it. I think it's the pick of them. Mick is saying own Merchant. Like there's a few Dubs goals. Kev Mack's goal. Well, they
2: are they are contenders actually, uh, for import as well. Yeah, I mean Merchant's is insane, but I I suppose it's the team element of that Galway one, isn't it? And it does feel just popped up in my Twitter feed today, it does feel it does feel like football of a different era, that kind of style and even just the positions that they're all taking up on the pitch. Uh so different to today, like there's like six forwards up there, you know. Um and as you said, the finish is extraordinary. I mean Meehan had that amazing period where he was like a greyhound and he'd uh he'd run from deep and do extraordinary things on a semi regular basis. I think it's leading leading light at the moment. I mean,
1: Kev Max goal kinda of iconic as well, but um so far it's so mean. Greater GA brains than us out there. 53106. Tell us what we're missing out on here. It will not be Mayo goal for once that wins this. That wins this <laughs> impromptu poll that we're having right now. Hmm. Richie, how are you keeping? Not too bad, not too bad. So we got a few League of Ireland teams in Conference League action this evening.
0: Yeah, St. Pats and Sligo Rovers, both in Conference League's second round qualifier action this evening. The Saints welcoming Slovenian side Mura to Richmond Park. Mura, you might remember, uh, took three points off Tottenham in the group stage of the same competition last season. And Sligo there are away to Motherwell. Hours before that game at Fair Park, Sligo confirmed the sale of goalkeeper Ed McGinty to Oxford United for an undisclosed fee. The 22-year-old's father and agent had apparently kept the level of interest in him a secret from the player, something of which McGinty is grateful.
2: Yeah, it's nice to have that. I don't want to be peppered with all the, the news and the rumours and stuff, so I just wanted to stay focused with Sligo and, and try to keep playing well and do my stuff, and then if something that I felt was right came up, I would I would think about it. It's
0: McGinty was is the, it? Second, yeah, yeah, the second second League of Ireland day. player today to join the League One side. Uh, following Promise Amashare's move from Bohemians to Fleetwood Town, Bowes will receive a fee of close to six figures with potential add-ons, and Amashare says the move came together quite quickly.
2: I was in, so I think I was in Germany. We had a friendly against Union Berlin in the Bundesliga. We played against them, and after the game, I just got, the saw sort a of text. The agent just said um, Fleetwood are uh, very interested. Uh, I didn't really think much of it at the time, and then as the days got past, it just got more and more serious. And then I think by after about three days, it's might have decided like me going over here and like moving and all. So yeah, it was. It happened very quick, but very like not quick at the same time. It's a weird, weird feeling, but it's just good to be here now and get it done.
1: I saw Daniel Lambert, uh, CEO of Bohemians, pointing out that like this is going to become more common because of Brexit. That a lot of these guys would have gone at 16, and we wouldn't have noticed. They wouldn't have actually broken through in the League of Ireland, so it wouldn't have garnered quite as much attention. But God, it's incredibly frustrating for the league as it tries to grow. That players that you see and grow attached to and want to see how to develop over the course of the season disappear mid-season, while so many of these teams are in European action. Like Danny Madreu, I know he had an injury, but leaving Rovers before their Champions League qualifiers. Ed McGinty, when Sligo are playing tonight, like it's it's. I know it's a sign that there's a lot of players been developed, Richie, but at the same time, mm. like. Contract situations finding a way to keep them or at least getting value for them It doesn't feel as though there's any great improvements been made there at all
0: It's a vicious circle to be honest We were talking to Vinnie Perth about this on Tuesday night on the show and he was saying that the agents involved and the level of agents Like you'd be surprised perhaps to hear is like very very intrinsic to these moves Um, and They basically have the clubs over a barrel so they know that you know, the clubs are going to get a certain amount of money every year. They know that if a player goes for X amount of money, that will represent the club's earnings from the league or from Europe for a year as well. So, and um, and player and clubs, sorry, aren't able to tie players down due to the financial constraints on them uh, to multi-year contracts. So, in the of uh, you know, in the event that certain players are on multi-year contracts, and some have been, and some have been able to go in uh, recent years, they do get like those five, perhaps six-figure sums. But the majority, are, you know perhaps don't and are in danger of going for free or are close to it um unless you know clubs find a way to generate more income then they're not going to be able to tie people down to bigger deals so this is just going to keep happening and happening and happening until there is some kind of shift away from the the model that's currently in place
2: i do take all those points for sure Uh, like an aspect of this is that brexit has made it harder for uk clubs at lower league level to sign european players due to work permit issues and the irish market isn't affected by those same issues so that's one of the reasons the other aspect which jumps out is we just have a younger league of ireland now probably for brexit and and uh, the reason that uh, uk academies have become you know global entities and therefore it's harder for irish kids to get over it means more players are coming through here brexit is a part of that as well and so there is now a glut age 19 23 who've made the breakthrough at home and are going over and whilst i do take your point about not wanting to be a feeder league and to lose our young established stars it's a much better model than sending over 15 year olds
1: it is and listen i I definitely have a lot of sympathy with players and uh, dare i say even agents in terms of why would a player commit their long-term future to a club when they are 17 or 18 uh, not knowing what the club's plans are in the league of ireland or listen we know how league of ireland clubs have been run through the years but also, why would they make that long-term commitment when they simply don't need to? They're not going to be massively financially rewarded. And it is a good thing that we're getting to see some of these players and that they're not going when they're 14, 15 over to digs in England. But it's also not a great thing, I think, Joe, for the league to be that young. Like, where there's not players staying and being established in terms of just growing interest and getting people sure. to games and knowing that you'll see the same players season after season. Like, hey, you know, Bows have lost their best two young players. Pats have lost their two best young players. If Andy Lyon's goal, like Rovers have arguably lost their two best players this season. -season. Mid-season. It's it's,
2: it's not ideal and we're going to be a feeder league, but I mean, how many stories of those same leading stars who might have went over at 14, 15, were eaten up by the system and spat out and maybe walked away from the game because they were completely disenchanted. Whereas, this is a much healthier state of affairs for me where they go over now as men and they've had a footballing education and maybe a, 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 a literal education as well and they're more equipped to handle the UK uh, market and you know it's such an industry over there so look I you would want the best to stay here you'd want the the standards here to go through the roof and for it to generate money and all that kind of stuff but with you know when we're talking about individuals and these individual players I mean I I just say absolutely good luck to them and it's just a much better state of affairs and more Irish towns will continue to come through and populate the league and lots of it will stay as well so I don't know I I do take your point, but I'm far more comfortable with this kind of a scenario than the 14-year-old exodus year
1: after year after year after year. Uh, Newsround is brought to you with Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. Uh, lots of texts in, as you can imagine. So as we said, we're we're talking about the greatest goal of this century in an All-Ireland football final. Seamus Darby's goal all the way. Mike Gleeson. <laughs> come on, listen. Listen up there, Mike. I knew Seamus Darby would come in straight come on, away. Still,
0: yeah, in fairness, it's still the 20th century and awfully so.
1: Uh, Jack McCaffrey 2019, Howard Catch, great hand passing. McCaffrey doesn't break his stride. Definitely yeah. up there. There's been a lot of similar ish great Dublin goals that are just done at ridiculous pace. That definitely gets them on the shortlist. Uh, the uh, being gold, Joyce plays it in, having 30 seconds before, started it all in the cornerback position. Yeah, uh, poor Joyce, brilliant in that. Canavans is the most iconic. Watch it from behind the goal and you'll see just what a genius he is. He angles his run for the Mulligan offload while the ball is still in the air. Brilliant from Muggsy too to hold off the defender to wait until the perfect second for the pass just all-round class. Uh, lots of text as well from goals that aren't in All-Ireland Finals. It's a, very, it's a very simple criteria we have here. Yeah, I think one of the lovely things about the Galway goal, if you watch it back,
2: this is too intricate to be a planned move. You can't plan moves like this from that deep and, and anticipate if you're going to be pressurized or not, or what's going to happen. So it's um it's so, and and unlike, say, like Merchant, which is just, you know, and, well, that's a planned move, but it, it's just someone running a pace, or even McCaffrey has that. It's like how it goes, and McCaffrey takes off, and it kind of just unfolds in a very natural way. There's a degree of this Galway team full of these brilliant players, like, playing some jazz with each other. Like, they're not, we're not sure where this is going, but there's, they can sort of there is a certain impetus to the move and geez a, a kick in there adds a, adds a something to it and me and sort of thinks okay i'm, I'm gonna gamble on this and it just sort of uh, takes on a bit of a life of its own and I, I think that can only happen when when you've got outrageous skill and a certain kind of intellect where they're all reading off each other's body language and movements and that's kind of why that's so well beautiful
1: well the little donlin flick of the hand back to joyce yeah. like that's just actually i see a space for my teammate here instead of catching that reactive. ball trying to drag a foul drag yourself down take from there it's actually we're gone like totally. this it's, is it's, it's, one it's, thing it's in very mind.
2: reactive and it's like keep it going keep it going like don't don't drop it keep it going you know like that like i said like it's a it's a bunch of artists playing jazz and just trying to keep the thing alive and i mean when me pops up and does that or what like there's the
1: there's the finish that you need you know uh, we've officially hit its coming home stage at the Euros, Ritchie. It didn't look like it for long periods last night. England were no. totally outplayed by Spain for about 83 minutes, uh, but they got the job done. Sensational goal from Stanaway to win it. And the second quarterfinals on tonight? Yeah, in the
0: other half of the draw, Germany meeting Austria in the quarterfinals of Women's Euro 2022. Tonight they go head to head at the Brentford Community Stadium, uh, where kickoff is once again at 8 pm.
1: So the uh, European Major on uh, the Ladies Tour is the Evian Championship in France, first round underway. Yeah, Leon Maguire opened with a one-under-par
0: round of 70 at the fourth major of the year, the Evian Championship. Stephanie Meadows just a shot worse off in the clubhouse. On level par, Japan's Ayaka Fiore is the clubhouse leader there on eight-under-par. Uh, Patrick Harrington's opening round of 66, leaves him two shots off the lead as the opening day of the senior Open Championship winds down. Uh, Darren Clark has actually gone one better in the past few minutes. He has carded a round of 65 today. He's in the clubhouse on five-under-par. Canada's Stephen Ames leads on 6 under he shot a 64 today. Niall carney, currently best of the Irish on three under par on the opening day of the Kazoo Classic. He's actually dropped back now to two under par. Jonathan Caldwell is one under after a 71 today. Cormac Sharvin, David Higgins and Simon Thornton all level par. Jens Dantorp, Grant Forrest and Julian Guerrier jointly lead in Southport on
1: six under par. What about Liv, Richie? What's the latest live news for us? Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Jason Kokrak. Oh, Kokrak. He's on board, Nathan. We're, we're all pining to see some co-crack at trump bedminster
1: careful now and charles howell don't forget about charles howell charles howell is a perfect man for live golf joe He he's one of these i won't call him a journeyman because i'm fairly sure he's made about 30 million in career earnings without ever really winning a tournament
2: yeah it's kind of his hallmark isn't it to surprise you with how much money he's made next to how much he's actually not won
1: yeah it's sort of modern golf uh, summed up in one player uh, so Leona Maguire she's what 7 off the lead this was the tournament last year she had a 61 lowest round ever in a major men's or women's at the Evian Championship but uh, obviously had some difficulties getting her clubs over there got them eventually but she's a bit off but Harrington won the last major in the seniors tour like, at some stage soon Harrington's going to want to start counting these <laughs> no. if he gets the f- if he wins this does he go past Rory <laughs> As what? Five-time major champion No, he doesn't Sure, at that stage Monty's got
2: like about eight majors Well, that's then. the point, no, isn't no. it? That's the point of this Oh dear, oh dear, no uh, Harrington was on the show A couple of weeks back And like refused even A day after winning The US Senior Open To like acknowledge it as a major Like I was like Congratulations, this is amazing And he's like Eh, nah <laughs> Not really Not really No, 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 no And I, I went back to him at the end And said, look I think again You know, this is a great achievement And when you've When you've won a major on the proper tour and then you win a senior one, I think it underlines your your kind of status. And he was like, yeah, no." Nah. And then he was, like, he was about to argue it and he goes, I always argue with everything. I'll, I'll just not argue that point with you. I'll, I'll take it, but deep down, I got a sense of a man who doesn't rate them that highly. Uh,
1: let's see how many more he wins. I, 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 I think he's just desperate to be back on the regular tour competing. He doesn't want to be with the old big guys.
2: Big time, big time. Uh, can, I, can I digress for a moment? Because I laughed at this the other day, and I, your uh, talk of Meehan has reminded me of it. Did you read Dara O'Shea's column this week in The Irish Times? I did not. Okay, so this is harking back to that. Dara O'Shea harking back to Galway Kerry. That Meehan goal obviously scored in anyway. And so it's the night before the final and Paddy O'Shea is obviously um, there at the time. And Eamon Walsh is one of the selectors and his father had won five All-Irelands with Kerry. And they've got, adva- they've got an advanced look at the Sunday papers on the Saturday night. So Darragh Shea says, just as we're heading off uh, to various meetings, Eamon was flicking through one of the papers that was lying around. It was a big novelty for Kerry people to get the Sunday papers on a Saturday night. So Eamon was reading away about the match. Colin O'Rourke says we'll win anyway, he said to nobody in particular. Pauly erupted. How many All-Ireland medals has Colin O'Rourke? I don't know, said Eamon Two And how many medals has your father? Said Poddy Five Well shut the f up about Colm effing O'Rourke I don't want to hear what any other effing man has to say about the game And uh, all the
1: players fall around laughing You just reminded me of that there which is beautiful uh, we got uh, lots of Pauly O'Shea stories coming up uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, in, in about uh, 10 minutes time with John O'Mahony and Johnny Crowley because uh, Pauly obviously in charge back in 2000 uh, when they last met in the final Declan O'Sullivan uh, 2006 against Mayo is coming up quite a lot Like this is one of these I have completely blanked from my memory uh, though as I see it come up on GAA now and look at a replay I see lots of young lads from Ballyhonas who I was in school with who are about 15 standing in the front row of the hill uh, but this must have been second Second half So Kerry attacking Down to the right hand side Long ball in Don't tell me it's Don Oh no it's Gooch getting it Little flick on Declan comes from deep Hand pass in 1-2 with Donaghy Bang Beautiful goal Well worked But Mayo were well beaten by then There's doesn't, doesn't well be, a beaten. bit of context yeah. Has to come into it Agreed. Has to be a tight totally. game You don't get totally. any credit for that one Totally agree Donaghy's goal probably better Because it kind of killed Mayo Very early Now it must be Mikey Sheehy's goal Against Paddy Cullen Pure class and genius as John and Limerick <laughs> oh, God Uh, There's a poll up on the Off The Ball Twitter account now to give us the uh, definitive answer to uh, all of this. Uh, Where are we going next, Richie? World Athletics Championships. I think kind of time difference means eh? it's passed us uh, a little bit by.
0: <clears throat> it has yeah it's been awkward having been third fastest overall in the heats Mark English returns for the semis of the 800 metres at the world championships overnight he's due on track after 3am before that Louise Shanahan goes in the heats of the women's 800 in the small hours of this morning Rashida Adelaki narrowly missed out on a 400 metre final place by just 17 hundredths of a second while Chris O'Donnell's time of 46.01 in the semis of the men's 400 wasn't enough for a place in the final uh, some cricket news yeah, Ireland's women have suffered a third straight defeat in the T20 Tri-Series in Breedy. The hosts won the toss and put Australia into bat this evening and the tourists went on to make 182 for four from their allotted overs. Ireland could only muster 119 for seven in response and they lost by 63 runs. One more game to come for them.
1: Um, uh, five three one yeah. six is the text number. Go on, Joe. Well, I'm just surprised we
2: buried the lead story, the Kerry GAA All-Ireland Final Party. What's this? I mean, oh, this is beautiful. So Kerry GAA... Six hours ago Tweeted a big picture Of David Clifford in I'd say he's fist pumping I'd say he's celebrating If I was saying He's doing anything Buy your tickets now For the Kerry GAA Post-match party At the D2 At Harcourt Street And they have a link To the tickets here Oof Uh, So as you can imagine Galway, WhatsApp And Twitter Blew up Uh, An hour later Kerry GAA respond "Uh, Just to say We always Have an after party Win or lose And it's all about Showing support For the players Regardless
1: of the results So
2: Make it that what Ooh. you will, Nathan. I Confidence. don't know.
1: I, I heard Owen Sheehan was getting several grand cash to <laughs> MC this. To <laughs> MC this and that Sam is due to arrive in about eleven PM according to Owen's timeline. Is that right? Yeah. Well the the poster promises special guests, the Kerry senior
2: team. Mm. So, David Clifford um, on horseback with Sam, eleven PM D two. Yeah. Well, they've clarified they had they have the party win or lose, so not to be
1: posted on the Galway dressing room. No Okay So that's uh, Sunday night 9pm I special 20 quid 20 quid yeah 20 quid to get in Bloody hell If they lose You're going to pay 20 end? quid to get in Well I remember we had a uh, A Mayo pre-match party Because you know uh, Just in case Just in case In <laughs> D2 Nobody was charging 20 quid in It's outrageous Listen Who's going to pay On Sheehan's salary here Well I'm not Exactly cash only on the door strictly over 20s is that a thing can't be that's illegal strictly over 20s Jeez, we're going to be in trouble now with all these things we're saying you should go along and have a great night from, from Kerry imagine if you just imagine all the American tourists who are going to wa- go, oh that looks exciting there's a big crowd we should go there tonight we're just going to wander in to the Kerry losing party as it may well be having paid 20 quid god that's a depressing thought for all of them
0: Richie have you time for a couple more stories Uh, Yeah, sad news from Germany. Germany football legend Uwe Saylor has died at the age of 85. The former striker played at four World Cups for West Germany, scored in each of them, and scored almost 500 goals for his club Hamburg. Saylor was also famously tricked into coming out of retirement in 1978 when he played a solitary League of Ireland game for Cork Celtic. He scored twice against Shamrock Rovers, a team at the time managed by one John Giles.
1: Yeah, I was asking John about this earlier on. I couldn't remember it. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, Z- Z- Zaylor could remember it uh, in his latter years he was asked about it a fair bit and he was basically, he was working for Adidas at the time and was asked as a favour to kind of go and give Cork Celtic a dig out who were struggling financially at the time I think just 18 months later they were out of business uh, him and another German player went over and played what they thought would be an exhibition game and it was only about 5 minutes in when Mr. Zaylor was getting boots from the Shamrock Rovers defenders that he realised actually this, this is a League of Ireland game isn't it I've been uh, conned into this a little bit, uh, but he, he was forty-one. Scored twice. Apparently, both goals were brilliant. Uh, they came in a pretty short space of time uh, in the game. Turner's Cross, I think, it was and uh, yeah, he went back to Germany and, and lived happily ever after. But yeah, fanta- like one of the most highly regarded uh, players of his of his generation of any generation. He's got one of the best memorials as well. Even prior to his death, uh, outside the Volkspark Stadium in Hamburg, there is a giant statue of his right foot. Wow. Just a barefoot, just standing outside the stadium. And it's uh, in dedication to him, who could apparently play a ball through a brick wall
1: anyway. So, a great man. Eamon Dunphy playing middle of midfield for Shamrock Rovers that day in the 6-2 victory. John did remember potentially playing with him in a Legends game in Denmark for some centenary of maybe the Danish FA, but had okay. no memory of the Shamrock. Like, it's just how good that Shamrock Rovers team were under, John. <laughs> they were beating a team containing Uwe Zieler 6-2 and doesn't stand out at all. Uh, Mick went to the Kerry party in 2008 after the loss to Tyrone. He's going to tell us more about that. Losing all Ireland parties are the worst place in the world without question. Don't go. If you lose, just go home. You know, you don't want to put yourself That's through it. That's a voice and of experience. JD right there. on YouTube with a question that may keep us going for several weeks depending on what's happened at the weekend. Are Galway the best Connacht team of this century if they win?
2: Oh, painful. Oof. Painful question has to be asked Colin Boyle uh, Last night in the show Freely admitted Amongst Mayo That is like The, the dreaded talk is What do we do if Galway win here So um, It's And he was saying It's worse than 98 Because we've literally spent Much of the last decade In all Ireland finals So uh, It's a painful one For Mayo for sure And uh, well, I don't know How do you rationalise it Nathan does it, does it prove It's all about mentality If like Mayo have all these chances And And can't get over the line once And Galway Tend to more often Than not get over there's no rationalising it, Joe. No, never speak of it again.
1: <laughs> no. God, well, listen, I look forward to seeing you at the Kerry. Yeah, uh, I'll DMU be there. I'll be there on Sunday. <laughs> Owen has loads of free passes, by the way. I hear so if you know Owen, he'll get you in for nothing. Sorry, just, is you know, Sheehan actually? I'm this. I don't know yet. I hope he is. Ah, oh, sorry. Okay, okay. Uh, just... hey, Kerry's not a great place to be from for these things. Like Dahi is probably doing it. Maybe it's if if they win, Shea does it. If they lose, Owen does it. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, Joe, thank you. Enjoy the weekend. All right, cheers. Richie, we'll talk to you later.